It might be uh, paying for someone's lunch behind you or uh, being able to pay for gas beside somebody or a neighbor or a friend or somebody that you could just reach out to and show them God's love uh, in a practical way. And so be challenged this week. Uh, You can ask me next week if I did mine, um, because I will. And uh, we'd like everyone to be able uh, to participate uh, and be a part of that. Well, you all look a little tired today. One extra, not, uh, one less hour of sleep. And so hopefully our uh, greeters uh, can make it all the way up here without falling down. Um, So if they could come on up, uh, that'd be good. We're going to collect an offering right now. But uh, if you're visiting with us for the first time, we'd just like you to keep your money in your pocket. And uh, this is a way uh, for those who call this their home uh, to be able to give. And uh, so we'll pray for the offering and we'll go from there. Let's pray. Well, Father, uh, thank you so much uh, for this day. A day that, uh, for many of us, uh, is one hour less of sleep. But I'm grateful for each person that came here this morning because I know you want to do something great in their life. And so, God, would you come and would you speak to us? Would you come by your Spirit and help us to be encouraged in this place? And I just ask, God, that uh, for the money that is collected today, that it might be used to impact uh, your kingdom in a greater way. We thank you for all that you do in our lives and for all the needs that you provide for us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, before we begin today, I just want to say that I am very proud of you guys. Not only did you uh, make it here this morning on one hour less of sleep, but also... You have done such an incredible job in this series that we've been in called Life's Healing Choices. This has not been an easy series. In fact, it's probably been one of the more tougher series that we've gone through. Um, We've been looking at our painful past. We've been looking at persistent sins. We've been uh, focusing in on our personal weaknesses. And no one just stands up and says, boy, you know, I really want to share all those kind of things. In fact, for many people, I'm sure they kind of checked out after the first couple of weeks and they're like, you know, I'll come back when it's a lighter topic, when it's a little bit more, uh, you know, cozy. But you guys have hung in there through all this, and I just wanted to say this morning uh, that I'm proud of you. Now, six years ago, I made a choice that almost killed me. I signed up for the mini marathon down in Indianapolis. 13.1 miles. We started training in January of that year, and we ran in the snow and the sleet and anything else that was happening weather-wise, sub-zero degree weather, and uh, it was tough. But I made it, and we made it as a group. Then on May 8th of 2004, I found myself in the midst of a crowd of 25,000 people. If you've ever seen it on TV or you participate in it, it is wall-to-wall people. They put you in these little block squares, and you pretty much don't move very much for the first 10 to 15 minutes 
uh, of the race until you get to the starting line. And then once you take off and you start running, you would think that it would thin out, but it doesn't. You stay wall-to-wall people all the way to the Indianapolis 500 track, and it continues to stay that way almost until mile 10. But at mile 10, something happens. It's called the wall. And when it happens, you begin to start seeing people thin out. You know, a lot of people start off great in this thing called life. They just don't finish very strong. They flame out, they fizzle out, they never finish the race. And on that day, what I noticed was as people were in their starting kind of blocks there, everyone had their nice little running gear on, you know, and their Reebok and their Adidas and all their logo, and they had new clean shirts on, and their name tag was just right, and new shoes, hair was all in place, everything looked fine. In fact, there was a partying kind of atmosphere right at the beginning. People were jumping up and down, yeah, we're going to take the mountain, you know, and we are going to kill this race. But at the end of the marathon, it was a very different story. At the end, people were just kind of staggering across the line. They were sweaty and smelly and stinky and nasty, dirt all over them. Some people had skin knees, and they just barely got across the line. You see, friends, you don't get a medal for starting the race. You only get a medal when you finish the race. And as your pastor, and as your friend, and as somebody who loves you, I want you to finish the race well. I want you to finish it strong. I can't tell you how many people have walked through the doors of this gymnasium before, and they were all excited and on fire. And they got connected, and they were coming regularly, but before long, they just fizzled out. They decided that it wasn't worth it, and they quit. Or maybe life hit them in such a way that they ran into a ditch, and they just didn't finish the race. They're no longer in the race. And I don't want that to happen to anybody here this morning. So today, I want to talk about how you can end the race in such a way that brings honor. How you can end the race well. And so what we want to talk about today is the growth choice. And it will come up on the board, and uh, let's go ahead and read it together. I reserve a daily time with God for Bible reading, self-examination, and prayer in order to know God and His will for my life, and to gain the power to follow His will. You see, spiritual growth is a choice. It's intentional. You choose whether you're going to grow spiritually or not. And are you going to be more spiritually mature a year from now than you are today? When we get to March 14th of 2011, will you be any different than you are today? If you say, well, I don't know, Chris. I haven't thought about it too much. Well, I can tell you what's going to happen. You won't be. Because, again, 
Spiritual growth is a choice. You have to choose to say, I'm going to be different next year, this time, than I am today. I'm going to grow more. I'm going to get more connected with God. I'm going to work through some painful things, my personal weaknesses, some of my persistent sins. I'm going to be a different person this time next year than I am today. And I'm going to do it. You see, folks, it's important to grow because growth is a continual process. Today, in most of the verses that we're going to look at today, there is a particular word that I want you to take notice of, and it's the word continue. Because growth is a continual process. It's not a point and, oh, I've arrived. No, it's a process. And if you aren't growing, what are you doing? If you're not growing, if a plant's not growing, what's it doing? Dying. You either are growing or you're dying one way or the other. The Bible says this, continue, there's that word, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so today, what I want to do is help us all, including myself, how can we continue to grow? How can we make it to the finish line in such a healthy way that we continue to grow in our faith? Well, the first thing that you have to do if you want to continue to grow is... I must fix a daily time with God. I must fix a daily time with God. This means that you just say that I'm going to select a time each day to hang out with God. I'm going to get to know Him better. You just put a ground in the stake and you say, Jesus, this is my date time with you. This is my appointment with you each day. Now, I've only been to one vineyard in my life. It was um, at Wilson Winery. Anyone ever been to Modoc before? Look at that. Oh, Modoc people, they're all excited. And Modoc is out in the sticks. I mean, if you don't know where it's at, you probably won't find it. But if you get there, there is this vineyard there that the Wilson family. Uh, has gone ahead and, and grown. And uh, John has become a friend of mine because I married his son. And when I went out there to do the wedding uh, on the rehearsal night, he took me around the vineyard and was showing me uh, all the different intricacies of uh, growing grapes. And as we were talking about it, I started thinking this, that the key to growing grapes is that they have to be connected to the vine. Because as we were going around, you could see some grapes that weren't connected to the vine. They might be on the, the ground and they were dying. Only those grapes that were connected to the vine, connected to the trestle, were actually growing. And it reminded me of something that Jesus said. This is what he said. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you stay joined to me, and I stay joined to you, then you will produce lots of fruits. But you cannot do anything. That is, you cannot bear any fruit in your life without me. Folks, you cannot bear fruit in this thing called life if you are not regularly connecting with Jesus on a daily basis. 
Now let me get a little bit more practical. Let's say that you're married, but you never spend any time whatsoever with your husband or your wife. Well, if you do that over time, what you'll find is you grow distant. You're not going to be connected. My wife, Jennifer, is a physician and I'm a pastor. And so we have two occupations that are pretty demanding. And every once in a while, we will be gone from each other for a period of time. And what we've noticed is that when that happens, when she's gone or when I'm gone, we get disconnected from each other. We don't feel as loving towards one another. We don't feel as close. We don't feel as intimate to each other. And let me just say this, for those of you who are married, or those of you that might be married, that if your relationship ever gets dried up, or maybe it's dried up right now, and there's no love life in the middle of it, I can tell you the reason why. It's because you're not spending time together. I mean, you've got to do what you did when you fell in love with each other. What did you do to get with your mate? When you first got together, you've got to do the same thing that you did to get your mate to keep your mate. You need to date your mate. You need to spend time with them regularly. And if you don't, what you'll notice pretty soon is there'll be a distance between you and them. Now, the same thing is true with God. You have to spend time with God in order to stay connected with God. You have to spend time to be close to Him, to know Him, to love Him, to sense His presence. People will often say, well, I don't feel God in my life right now. And I'll say, well, are you spending any time? Well, I didn't know I had to do that. But just like with any relationship, if you're not connected with Him, you won't feel His presence. The Bible says this, And now, dear children, here's that word again, continue to live in fellowship with Christ. And that's the key word again, continue. Now, I was raised a PK, a preacher's kid. And I have been a pastor for 14 years. And yet today, the hardest thing for me to stay committed to is my daily time with God. Because everything in my life fights against connecting with God. And you say, well, why is that? Because Satan does not want you to spend time with God. Because he knows that if you're disconnected from him, from God, you will become worthless. You'll have no power. And every time he tempts you in some particular way, you'll give in to it. Because you're not connected. I mean, he doesn't care what else you do. You can do tons of good things for all the community. But if you're not connected with God, he's satisfied. Because that's the place where he knows you will have your least kind of strength. And why is that? Because that's the reason you were created. Your number one purpose in life is to connect with God daily. Folks, God didn't create you for a bunch of activity where you're off doing a whole bunch of to-do list kind of things. He created you to know Him 
and to love Him. And as you do that, then you begin to receive the fact that He wants to know and love you. So He can know and love you back. And let me just say this. If you are not spending time with God, if you're not knowing Him and loving Him better, then you are missing the purpose of your life. Because that's the purpose of every life that God created, was for them to connect with Him. And let me just say this. If you're too busy for God, you're just too busy. Because you're putting everything else in front of that relationship... And when you do that, your life gets stressful, and you get uptight, and you get overwhelmed, and you forget the number one commandment that God gave to us. Let's read it together. It'll come up on the board. Love God. That means all of us. I know we have one hour less to sleep, okay? Let's do it again. Here we go. Love God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's what God desires. So why does Satan fight against us so hard? Because he knows that if he keeps you disconnected from God, you'll have no power in your life to fulfill the abundant life that God wants you to. The Bible says this, Everyone who lives in union with Christ does not continue to sin. Now what does that mean? It means... That when my life and my heart is connected to God, He gives me the power and the ability and the desire not to do wrong. But He gives me the desire to do right. The reason so many of us continue to fall is because we stay focused in on our painful past and our persistent sins and our personal weaknesses. And the reason those things consume us is because we don't spend time with God. And let me just say this, folks. If you don't get this first one right, it really doesn't matter anything else I'm going to say. Because that's the most important thing you can do in your life. So if you want some help in this area, I have a little uh, brochure that's back at the connections table that just says your connection to God. It's uh, not real long. It's called an eight kind of fold, I guess, and uh, you can pick that up, and there are just some steps of how you can connect with God in a a better way, and it only takes maybe five, ten minutes, but you can do that regularly each day, and you can pick them up back there. Well, the Bible says this, continue praying, keeping alert, and always thanking God. Now, what does that mean, to continue to pray? Well, what it means is, is that we don't just say, okay, here's my one time I'm going to spend with you, God. I'm going to pray, check off that list, and then you go on. No, it means that throughout the day, God wants to have communication with you. And when you're connecting with Him and you're talking to Him, you don't have to go into some weird language. You ever been to one of those places before where someone gets up to pray, maybe at a graduation, and they begin to pray, they say, O thou, thus thou, whether fart, woe, would thou comest to thou. And everyone's going, whoa, I never knew that language existed. No, you just be yourself. Because that's who God created you to be. You just talk to him, just like I'm talking to you this morning. 
In fact, I can talk to God and talk to another person at, a same, at the same time. It's kind of a, a two-track mind. You guys ever do this before? Um, it happens to me a lot, especially after a celebration. People might come up and they're going through a really difficult time and, and they're talking to me and, and I'm listening to them. But as I'm listening to them, the whole time I'm thinking, God, I have no idea what to say to this person. I mean, they're, they're coming up here and they think I'm smart, but I'm not. I'm really dumb, God, and I need your help big time. Show up now. Help me to give some wisdom to this person because I don't have the foggiest idea what to say to them. You see, I can talk to God and to you guys at the same time. In fact, right now, I'm thinking this. God, tell me what the next point is. <laughs> you know, because I don't know. I'm trying to think, what is the next one? You just talk to God like you talk to your best friend. And I've been walking with God, talking with Him for the last 20 years. And each day, there's a time where I just connect. Sometimes it's very, just a few seconds maybe. But there's a time where we're just connecting together. And the key is a daily time with Him. And you can just forget about everything else I'm going to say until that gets solid. And if you've got to start at a minute or two minutes or whatever, God will take whatever it is. A second thing you must do if you want to continue to grow in God is you must fill your mind with Scripture. I've got to fill my mind with Scripture. You know, if you go without food for a little while, you become weak. And some people, if they go without food for a little while, they get cranky and mean and nasty. And some people, if they go a little bit longer, they just get so exhausted and tired, they just want to lay down. That's it. And the same is true with God's Word. You see, folks, I don't know, but today, if you have not eaten soul food, I'm going to give you some today. This is soul food. It's food for your soul. It can help your soul more than any other book you could ever read. Because it speaks to you. The Bible says this, Human beings cannot live on bread alone. In other words, food alone. But need every word that God speaks. The Bible is necessary for your soul just as food is necessary for your body. And if you don't get God's words out of there into here, then guess what's going to happen? You're going to get weak and cranky and nasty and a little bit mean. You've got to get this into your heart. Now, some of you might be saying, well, Chris, I come to church each Sunday, and I'm glad that you do. That's a great habit to be in, is to come and make a commitment. But in the same light, if that's the only time you're connecting, that would be like you going to MCL or Sirloin Stockade, and I've seen some of you eat before, and you just like scourge yourself. You know, you just eat everything on Sunday. And then for the next six days, you fast. I mean, if the only spiritual food, folks, that you get is from me on Sunday, you're in trouble. Because I'm not that good, 
And uh, what I teach will not stay with you that long. You will become cranky and weak. And so what you have to do is you've got to get God's words into your heart. The next thing that comes up on the slide here, anybody know what that stands for? Good. We got some computer geeks over here. There we go. All right. G-I-G-O. It's garbage in, garbage out. And what that is, is what computer folks talk about. That there's garbage in and garbage out of your computer. In other words, only what you can put into the computer is what it's actually going to do, what it's going to come out. And the same is true about your heart and your soul and your mind. You put garbage into your mind and eventually guess what comes out? Garbage. But if you put soul food in your mind, eventually what comes out is that into your life and personality. God's words. I mean, you put in your mind violence, pornography, evil things into your mind, and eventually those will come out of your life. But if you tell your mind the things of God and you allow those things to penetrate into your mind, eventually that's what comes out. Anyone here today want to be happy? Some of you, not so sure. <laughs> well, I've really thought about it. You know. It's a dumb question, isn't it? The reality is we all want to be happy. Every single one of us wants some happiness in our life. Well, to be happy, we have to continuously have input of God's Word in our life. The Bible says this, The truly happy people are those who carefully study God's perfect law that makes people free. And they continue to study it. They do not forget what they heard, but they obey what God's teaching says. You want to know the secret to happiness? It's in that verse right there. You hear God's word, you study God's word, you do God's word, you obey God's word, and then you don't forget what is said as you memorize those words. All the things you need to do in the Word of God is found right in that verse. That's what it means to fill your mind with Scripture. And if you do this, you will begin to fill your mind with God's Word. Jesus says two things will happen. The first thing is this. In this verse it says, If you continue in my Word, then you are my disciples indeed. In other words... People will know that you're a disciple of Jesus, not because you carry the Bible around and you beat on people and you say, hey, you better shape up. No, people will know you're a disciple or a follower of Jesus because as those words get into your heart, you begin to speak them and act on them in such a way that people understand that you're a follower. And the second part of this verse says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You get those words of God into your life, and eventually truth comes and freedom comes to your life. 
Many of you know that in 1998, when my wife Jennifer and I first moved here to uh, Muncie, and she did her residency, which she's a director there now, and I went to school at Anderson School of Theology, that was the worst year of my life. I went through a horrible depression uh, during that time, and uh, I call especially the first 40 days of seminary the 40 days and 40 nights that I kind of wandered in the wilderness. And when I talk about depression, I'm not talking about, oh, I'm having a down day, or I'm a little bit down. It was like I had dug a hole, I jumped inside, and I was pouring the dirt back on top of me. And maybe some of you know what that's like. And throughout that year, my goal wasn't, hey God, you know, I'm going to school to be a pastor, and I'd just like to get good grades. Could you just bring that to me? No, you know what my prayer was each day? And my wife can attest to this. God, help me to put one foot in front of the other today. Help me to be able to get out of bed today. Help me, God. If you're not there, I can't do this. And through the help of some counseling that I went through and some uh, medication that I took, I started to feel better. But I'll tell you what has kept me from ever having to go back into that hole ever again since 1998. And it's because God's Word saved me. It saved me from that pit. And pretty soon, as I read it more and as I tried to allow it to get into my life, I escaped the pit and I haven't been able to go back, or I haven't gone back into it since. And the reason is, is because it gives life and it gives joy. Many of us probably read the entire paper this morning. And uh, if you did that with the New York Times... It's daily kind of thing. You would have read the New Testament in one setting. And yet, so hard for us to do that because it tempts us, Satan tempts us to stay away so that our lives would be disconnected. But the Bible itself fills me during that year in a way that nothing else could. You see, the reality is your brain has kind of a scale, a balance to it. And it has both negative thoughts and positive thoughts. And when you get so many negative thoughts to your brain, all of a sudden, it tips the balance. And when the balance is tipped, the negative outweighs the positive, and you're headed for a depression. And some of the time this happens is because you're doing it yourself. You're telling yourself bad news. All the time. You're saying to yourself, you're your worst critic. You're saying, I'm a failure. I'm lousy. I can't do it. I'm no good. It will never happen. And all of a sudden, you start saying that enough, and you get depressed, and you think you are defined that way. And so the only way to get out of this depressive state is that you have to tip the scales in the other direction. And the way that you do this is by renewing your mind daily. It's the only way you can tip the scales is by renewing your mind with God. The Bible puts it this way. Be transformed by the renewing 
of your mind. So how do you do that? How do you renew your mind? Well, you put more positive content into it than you allow negative content to come in. And for some of us, maybe we were raised in families where our mom or our dad was always negative, putting us down. Or maybe you were, you know, in a, uh, a family, in a marriage where you felt that. And you have a lot of this. And so what you've got to do is you've got to tip the scales the other way. And you put more of God's word into your mind than any other word. One of the things that I did during that year that I was battling this depressive kind of thing was I had a journal. And in that journal, I would write down my thoughts to God. And there was one scripture verse each week that I would write down every single day. And whatever that verse was, I'd try to memorize it. And that helped me more than anything else. And I haven't gone into the pit since then. And I would write it down and I'd try to memorize it. And you know what I was doing when I was doing that? I was transforming my mind. I was renewing it. I was making it to act differently than all the negative thoughts that were there. Folks, the key to living abundant life is you've got to tip the scales. And I'm telling you, this right here will tip the scales in a greater way than anything else. You put his words into your life and it changes the scales. And over time, what happens is happiness infiltrates your soul. And you're like, I'm ready to tackle the world. What, what's happening tomorrow? I'm ready, whatever it is. And you dream new dreams. And you start thinking that the rest of my life is the best of my life. And you're filled with hope and joy and faith. And you're ready to do something because you're defined now by what God says who you are than what you or your parents or anyone else says. So how do I continue growing? Well, I fix a daily time with God. I fill my mind with Scripture. And the third thing you do is I must... Focus on my goal and not my habit. I focus on my goal and not my habit. Now, when I say habit, what I'm talking about are those hurts, habits, and hang-ups that we all struggle with. Those sins, those weaknesses, those failures in our life. The things in your life that you don't like. And so, what I'm saying is if you want to grow, you have to focus on what you want to become not what you are right now. Well, why is that so important? Because God designed the universe with a particular laws. And one of these laws was the law of attention. And the law of attention says this, whatever you focus on, whatever you focus your attention on, attracts you. It pulls you. There's this natural pull. If you focus on it, it will draw itself to you. You will be drawn to it. So you need to choose to focus your attention on things that are good and encouraging and not bad. For example, my wife makes the best chocolate chip cookies in the world. And the reason is, is because she doesn't just buy one of those, you know, kind of pre pre-prepared kind of deals. Um, she makes it all from scratch. And um, 
I love it. And she knows that the quickest way to get me from watching TV or reading or out of my office is to make cookies. And in fact, I love just watching her scoop the batter up and put it on the little pan. Because I know in just a few minutes, a little warm, hot cookie is going to be right there for the taking. And so what I'll do is when I start smelling it cooking, I'll go into the kitchen and I'll go something like, what you doing? You know, you know kind of, uh, you know, kind of an intimate way there, you know, like um, Barry White. Hey, what you doing? And she'll say something like, making cookies, what you doing? And I'll say, watching, you know. Now, she knows that I'm not there to watch. I mean, when she turns her head, my hand's going in, and I'm going to get a big old gooey kind of handful and start eating it. And then I'll wait until the cookies are baked. And when they come out, when they're nice and hot, you know, they just come right out and they just kind of melt in your mouth. Then I'll do that. But I didn't come to watch. Folks, that's the thing. If you keep watching and watching and watching, eventually you're going to give in. So whatever habit you have in your life that you want to change, you don't focus on that. You focus on what you want to become. Because whatever you focus on is where you'll end up going towards. That's one of the reasons why I love Celebrate Recovery. is because on Thursdays at 7 o'clock, people are not trudging up the past and how horrible I am. But the whole focus of Celebrate Recovery is forward focus. Not trudging up the past or where we messed up or screwed up or flubbed up. It's not groaning and moaning about the past. It's not wailing on the past. Friends, your past is in your past. Even if it happened last night, it's gone. You can't change it. You can't do anything about it. You're not your past. Now, it's true that your past influences you, but it does not define you. You're not your past. It's over. What matters is not your past, but today. What matters is what direction your feet are headed today. I mean, I don't care what you've done, who you've done it with, how many times you've done it. That's not you. Now, Satan will tell you that's who you are, but that's not the truth. You are who God has called you to be. Whatever direction your feet is headed, that's where you're going. So stop focusing on the past. It's over. You can't change it. It's dead. It's gone. It's behind you. But if you want to grow, you've got to focus on the future. What's in front of you? What's going forward? Don't look in the past because you'll, be, you'll stay stuck in a rut. So what do you do? You focus on your goal, not your habits. That's why I hate diets. Diets, when, you t- when you're on a diet, what do you focus on? Food! The exact thing that you don't want to be focusing on, that's what you focus on, right? You think more about food when you're on a diet than when you're not on a diet. You're focused on, man, you know, as it passes by you, boy, that'd be good, you know? You're just thinking about food, food, food. No, you've got to focus on something else. 
This is what Paul talked about when he said this. I do not mean that I am already as God wants me to be. Well, duh. None of us are there, right? None of us are where we want to be. I have not reached that goal. Yeah, none of us have reached it. But I continue trying to reach it and make it mine. Christ wants me to do that, which is the reason he made me his. And then notice the rest of that verse. It says this. No, I'm still not all I should be, and neither am I, neither are you. We're not what we should be. But I am focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us up to, which is heaven. Folks, don't focus on what happened you got to focus on what you want to happen. Don't be one of those people who's always looking in the rearview mirror, seeing everything that passes you by. Because eventually, if you look there long enough, you're going to wreck. You're going to crash. You've got to look through the windshield, forward-thinking, forward-looking. I mean, it's okay to do self-examination and look at yourself and see what's going on. Maybe there's some things that need to correct. But just like a, when you go to the doctor's office and you get examined, you don't say, hey, doc, could we do that again? I'd like to do this about 20 times. That'd be weird, wouldn't it? You don't do that. When the self-examination's over, you're like, "Woo, I'm out of here. And then you try to do whatever they say to try to become more healthy. Because if you want to finish strong, you've got to focus on the goal and not... The habit. A fourth way to continue to grow is I must form an ongoing support group. An ongoing support group. This is small groups. Folks, there are two reasons why every single person here should be in a small group. And it's still not too late. You can sign up today. You can get a book. The first reason you want to be in a small group is because of prayer. The Bible says this. We are confident that God will continue to rescue us. In other words, renew us, since you are also joining to help us when you pray for us. Friends, you need other people in your life. You do. You're not going to get well. You won't be the healthiest person that you can be unless you have other people around you. You're not going to become all God wants you to be unless you have other people around you. You need other people. You see, God wired each one of us, our DNA, in which we need other people around us. That's why you have to be in a small group. Then you have people who can be praying for you. Do you have anybody in your life that's praying for you? Or that you're praying for somebody else? Because if you don't, I pity you because you're going through this life and it's only going to get harder because you don't have people around you who are building you up and praying for you and lifting you up. You're helpless without them. This past week was one of the toughest weeks that I've had since the first of the year. I had two funerals and it was just difficult. Families that had gone through real difficult stuff. But in the midst of all this... I felt encouraged because my small group was praying for me. There were people that were lifting me up in prayer, and I felt it. 
And you need a small group as well. The second reason why you need a small group is for encouragement. The Bible says this, We should not stop gathering together with other believers, as some of you are doing. Instead, we must continue to encourage each other. Folks, every single person here needs encouragement. Continual encouragement. People don't go, no, don't need any in my life. I'm good. Full. No, we want it. We need it. And the place that you find it here in the jar is in small groups. That's why we want it to be the heart of where we're going. Because we know people grow best when they're in smaller settings. And there's no way you can fully grow unless you're connected within that. And let me just say this. If you're in a group right now and you're like, man, I'm not really vibing with these people then you're not going to offend anybody. Tell me, tell John, who's our small groups coordinator, say, you know what, I'd like to check out a different one than where I'm at right now. Tell your small group leader, we want people to grow. That's what the JAR is trying to be about. Now, a couple of things here uh, that I want to encourage our small groups. First of all, I know some of you are behind. We didn't start this in the best time because there was snow. So if weather or if sickness impacted your small group, don't, don't stop. Finish the book. Finish the video series. Go through the eight steps because it's the best way you'll grow as a group. The second thing is I want you to have a party with your small group. Whenever you're done with the series, I want you to have a party. Throw a party. Have fun. On that week, I don't want you to study the Bible or anything. I just want you to hang out. Be with each other. And if you make chocolate chip cookies and you want to see if I think yours are better than my wife's, invite me over, okay? Finally, select your next topic. Whatever you want to study next, do it. Maybe you've got to say, hey, we've been doing this every week. We need to do every other week or once a month. Whatever it is, but make the commitment now how you're going to make it through spring and summer of still connecting as groups. And for some of you, maybe this has resonated so much, what we've been talking about, is that you're like, you know what, I want to get over this hurt. I want to get over this hang-up. I want to put this habit behind me. Well, if that's the case, then come to Celebrate Recovery. 7 o'clock this Thursday, just say, you know what, I want to be different by the end of this year, and I want to be healed. Because it's the best way that you can be healed is through Celebrate Recovery. Last thing. I must follow Christ to the finish line. I must follow Christ to the finish line. One of the greatest promises in the Bible is in Philippians 1.6. And it says this. I am sure that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus comes back again. Folks, whatever God starts, he finishes. He's not done with you yet. You might be feeling a little discouraged today, down in the dumps. Maybe you're like, you know what, all these people around me look like they have it all together. They don't. And sometimes we sit in our loneliness by ourselves. But I have a verse for you that you need to put up somewhere this week. It's in your program, Galatians 6, 9. It says this, So don't get tired of doing what is good. 
Don't get discouraged and give up, for we will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. God brought you here today, I think, for him to be able to tell you, don't give up. Don't give up. It's easy to give up, but don't give up. Because he who began a good work in you will finish it on the day of completion. He will. You know, I still remember when we started the jar, and there were only six people meeting in my home, and the only thing that we had was this scripture. He who began a good work in you will complete it. And I know five years from now, Whatever God's going to do as he fills this gym, as he grows people's hearts, the reason he'll do it is because the good work he started in us, he will finish. Folks, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't. But I know this. God does. And he will finish what he starts. So don't give up. Let's stand for closing prayer. And now, God, may you allow the words that have been spoken today and most of all, your Holy Spirit fill the hearts of those who are here. I pray that these words would not fall on deaf ears, but God, that there might be one thing that they take from this time to grow closer to you. And it doesn't have to be huge or gigantic, but one thing that you might do, you might even think about it right now, one thing that you could do to connect yourself closer to God. And God, I pray that whatever that thing is, that people decide it, that you would help them to complete it and that they would continue to connect with you. God bless each person here, and as they leave this week, may you continue to grow in their life in knowing them and loving them more. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like prayer for anything, come on up and have a great week.